0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of our Southridge member podcast called Finding Our Way. Uh, Last week, we had our Vineland location pastor, Rick Swears, and uh, we're going to meet with another one of our location pastors today from uh, St. Catharines, Ontario, the mighty Chris Fowler. Chris, welcome here.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, For those of us who
0: don't know you, because there are some of us, believe it or not, uh, just give us a bit of your
1: personal background, family dynamic where you live, whatever. Sure, yeah. I I live in the south end of St. Catharines, right close to the Glenridge location. My wife, Bonnie, and I have three kids, Sarah, Hannah, and my boy, Riley. Um, I've been part of Southridge almost forever.
0: (laughs) Almost forever. And what some people may not know is that you actually were the original next-gen investment back in the day where uh, our church was deciding kind of who would lead its future. And they made the decision, as we describe often, to hand the keys of the family business, so to speak, over to the kids. Uh, you were the very first kid. Uh, so give That's us right. even a few minutes of that story from your perspective. What was going on?
1: Well, yeah, it was it was kind of funny because uh, I was graduating from university and contemplating potentially even like, participating in like a church plant out east and that kind of stuff and at the time the chair of the board was Peter Warkington and then John Eckert was our pastor and the the board at that time had offered me what they called long-term internship where uh, I would just kind of get my feet wet in whatever uh, I could find to do and John would mentor me and uh, they paid me enough money that I You know, could pay some rent. I could go to the movies once in a while and pay insurance on my car, and everything was good.
0: The uh, I remember it was described for me back then that that you were kind of the apprentice. That's right. We had an apprentice pastor, and then soon after that, uh, the apprentice became the pastor. So what what happened in that era?
1: Yeah, well, John and I uh, were working, you know... Uh, closely joined at the hip, so to speak. And, uh, John was super gracious to just let me try almost anything. And so we started to mess with what Sunday mornings looked like. Um, we started doing some more modern worship stuff and, uh, And yeah, I mean, I even dabbled in preaching and and some of those kinds of things, just so I could get my feet wet and see what things I was gravitating towards and what things I didn't. And after a little while then, the uh,
0: apprentice became the pastor, because John, I understand, felt comfortable enough to retire for good then. And uh, so everything got kind of handed over to you. And then you were involved in making some hires. What do you remember of that era? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, that was quite fun, actually, uh, because there were a few people, just a little bit younger than I was, and uh, who had already been showing some promise in some of the the things that they were good at and some of the things that God had gifted them to do, and two of those people happened to be uh, sitting across the table from me, Mr. Jeff Lockyer, and uh, the other one was Mike Krause and uh, at at one point uh, because uh preaching was uh, very quickly became uh, apparent that it wasn't my forte not that I was like hated it but I just didn't want to do it week to a week a little more work yeah exactly and didn't come as naturally to me and uh, and so we started experimenting with asking some of these young guys to periodically uh, just share a talk from the bible and and it, it, mike and jeff quickly it became apparent that they had some significant gifting in that area to the degree where ultimately they were offered uh, a really lucrative contract <laughs> to to basically preach every other week uh, for a year, uh, and uh, th- thus began the Mike and Jeff preaching era. Yeah, I remember both of us individually uh, kind of buying into that vision to preach and
0: teach more regularly, uh, starting in that September of '97 and uh, you had kind of sold us on that vision and it was like a couple of weeks later that we ended up in the boardroom and the board was offering to pay us to do what you had already envisioned us to do for free so that was <laughs> kind of
1: a good deal <laughs> I on our that end part.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, you you are hearing me today get to interview my very first ministry boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't think you realized what was going on back then.
1: <laughs> Not at all.
0: Now, uh, before we talk about your job uh, today, your role in our church today, uh, you have surfed through pretty much every department, <laughs> almost every role known to humankind uh, in our church. Can you even remember... All of the different eras of different roles that you've played? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think I've been involved in every department except building maintenance, which wouldn't go well if I tried. <laughs> or finance. <laughs> or finance. Yeah, exactly. I'm good at spending money. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, so, I mean, uh, without getting too lengthy, there was a, a long window of time uh, or a window of time where I wasn't working uh, at Southridge and uh, Jeff and Mike had kind of taken over the reins uh, leading together but uh, after that two years I came back and at that point oversaw our Sunday morning experience and uh, the role that Jeff Martins is currently in Yeah, because your background getting into the pastor work
0: in the beginning was from that worship music That's creative right. arts
1: perspective That's right, yeah and so I did that for um, a couple of years, uh, and then when we made the shift over to uh, Glenridge Avenue, uh, I, I actually became our, our outreach pastor, and uh, again, did that for, I think, a couple of years, and then transitioned into working pretty much exclusively in the shelter world for a number of years. Uh, then it was like around 2009-ish, I actually was um, promoted to be our youth pastor, and and after a few years of that, it uh, became apparent that it would be actually a healthy move to get uh, a location pastor in St. Catherine since we had expanded into the North End at that time and Welland uh, and actually in Vineland by then as well. And, and so I became our first official Glenridge location pastor, and that's what I've been doing for the last... I don't know, five years? Yeah, we've called these divine hit and runs, these different eras. And uh, for now, this is
0: the era that we're in, in uh, location pastoring. Here I think it's my Catherine's. longest run, though. You think that this is... Yeah, this is probably your longest run. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well ladies and gentlemen, realize that uh, Chris Fowler is the only staff person to have a tenure longer than Mike and I. Mike and I uh, (laughs) have been 21 and a half years now, and when you add the years you had before you took your break with the years since, uh, you are the longest standing staff member. Well, not
1: all in a row, so there you go. You're
0: the most seasoned veteran around here, so uh, this is kind of exciting to get to chat with you. Hey, uh, we're kind of wrapping up right now, this uh, connection series that's basically led by the group of you as location pastors who are kind of overseeing our our connection value and connection ministry uh, called Friendship Matters. From your perspective, Chris, can you just give us a a sense of what you're hoping to achieve through this?
1: Yeah. I I would just love for our church community to be a place that is not just ultimately friendly, which I want it to be friendly. I want people to... Feel a warmth as soon as they would come in the doors on a Sunday or whatever. I I ultimately would love for our church family to be a place that people could actually make friends, that offers friendship, uh, that there could be the quality and depth of relationship that people could say, these are my people, Uh, not exclusively to relationships outside of the church community, um, but that even those friendships outside of the church community uh, could be deepened because of the way they live out friendship among our church family. Yeah, I hope that uh,
0: our listeners are, are catching this because I, I love the way that you started that. It, it wasn't just, I hope that everyone can feel through this series like they know how to have friends to a greater degree. It's not just a self-oriented provide people with friendship. It's as a church for us to become the kind of community that can offer friendship to a greater degree and can make that shift from being just friendly yeah. to offering friendship. This is something we want to be able to grow in and offer to the world, uh, not just or beyond experiencing it ourselves.
1: Yeah. we're we're going to be doing it, uh, you know, stumblingly and falting, falteringly along the way. But the, the hope would be that we could get better and better and better at it. Yeah. Now, uh, what I wanted to talk about
0: today, Chris, isn't so much this series that we're in right now, but actually the series that we were in last year sure. uh, during the month of January or January and February that our Connection ministry ran that was called Start the Party. Yeah. Uh, because this came mostly from stirrings in your heart. Can you talk a little bit just about the background of where the Start the Party idea kind of birthed and, and how it
1: grabbed you. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to say it was like this clever bolt of light that uh, just started within my own heart and a ha from God to me directly. Uh, but w- what ended up happening is uh, Rick and Mike Minema, who's our Welland location pastor, and I, uh, as, as well as our family team, had gone to the Orange Conference in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Orange is run by the Rethink group that Reggie Joyner leads and so on. And uh, the theme that year was um, for our neighbors, the whole theme of the conference. And one of the keynote talks was by Reggie Joyner, and it was actually called Sometimes It Takes a Party. And there was a little ebook attached to it that everybody could read. And when I read, uh, heard that talk and read that little booklet, it deeply resonated with my heart that, wait a minute, he's really onto something here. This is what it means to actually really be in meaningful, connected community. And so when we got back and we're we're talking about this, uh, I thought to myself, if there was a way that we could actually implement um, or help our overall family culture adopt this idea that we're just looking for ways to connect better with people, and what better way to do that than over fun and food and parties. Uh, And the theology behind it was that actually we're just taking our cues from Jesus. Yeah. That was the most, uh, I I think the most
0: impactful part of the, even the preliminary conversations to me when you guys came back from Atlanta and we're kind of sharing this heart and, and vision with me was just how Jesus like embracing the way of life and even the strategy of party just embracing the power of a party
1: was from a spiritual perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, well, I mean, you have everything from Jesus, you know, being criticized for being at parties, all the way to Jesus inviting himself over to somebody's house um, in a way that really dignified that person. And and the way that that meal and those kinds of things opened up the opportunity for meaningful conversation and for actually getting to know and appreciate and enjoy somebody. Yeah. And for for those of us, Chris, in, in
0: our membership across our locations who might still have a, a mindset or it's just still are averse to that idea and think, you know, oh, the, the, the church ought not to be a place of parties. C- can you just convince
1: us a little bit more or speak a little bit more to the heart of God on that? Yeah, well, certainly what we're not talking about is like, crazy carousing, we're talking about creating environments and contexts where people can actually take an interest in somebody else and learn to listen and learn to interact and in a very simple way, get to know somebody who may or may not look or be different than them and discover the ways that God has invested something in them that he would want to bless you with but then also thinking about okay god here's this person in front of me and how might you want want me to make a make a good contribution to this person's life to build them up and and core to this
0: idea of creating these non-threatening kind of safe really relationally conducive social environments in the form of parties behind that was actually this heart and that's what this series a year ago was about that this heart of hospitality yeah that that when you guys came back and were kind of imagining all these parties across all of our locations in a sense all the time it felt like the bottleneck was people grasping and and really embracing. The characteristic of hospitality. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, like it, it's easy for us to hang out with our besties and our BFFs and that kind of thing, and 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 have a, a close knit circle. But I think if if the church, if our, if a church family is supposed to be some kind of alternate society, or like Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, there's got to be some things about it that look unique in a really compelling way. And when I uh, think about even some of the uh, injunctions in the New Testament that say, like, to show hospitality and to be open and to be inclusive and to look for people who are different than you and to have that kind of open-heartedness, uh, I thought, well, that's got to be one of the ways that we, we've we got to be different. Um, that, that, that something that is like uh, something that's so beautiful, it's almost on steroids, so to speak, that's different than you would experience anywhere else, maybe in the world, at least as consistently in the world anywhere else. Yeah, And when you think about, you know, as followers of Jesus,
0: why we wouldn't necessarily differentiate ourselves in that way, what are some of the hiccups or the bottlenecks that that you would want us to face in addressing the 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 fullness of this heart of
1: hospitality not being realized well i mean there's a couple there's a few barriers i mean one is just the priority of time i mean we're we're ridiculously busy people and we have all kinds of things that we choose to do that fill up our time um and and again it, all of those choices reflect priorities that we have and even communities of people that we want to be around um, I, I guess I, I guess I would say that within the church, uh, the, I would expect that because of the heart of Jesus, I would be way more open to and actually even maybe deliberately pursue relationships with people who I might not have an initial obvious affinity with, um, but that because I know what I know about the heart of God and what he's invested in each person and creating them in his image that there is actually something that he wants to mutually benefit e- each other if I would be open to those relationships, which gives dignity to everybody else around me. Um, and, and then other people around me are offering me dignity by wanting to get to know me. Yeah, that the party, at the end of the day, outside of a, a
0: time commitment, there is, and we talked about this last Sunday, There, there is a value of diversity, to enrich not only our lives, but reciprocally enrich other people's lives that somehow we've got to get our heart around that, that introvert or extrovert, (laughs) that exposing myself to new people and people who are different than me is going to be a benefit to me.
1: Yeah. And, and, and in that scenario, no one gets left behind. Um, So even people who feel like, oh yeah, I'm not good at relationships and so on. In the family of God, there's an opportunity for you to actually experience something different, I believe, when it's working right. Yeah. Now, programmatically, we launched, kind of in
0: conjunction with this series last year, these uh, It's Party Time
1: events. Talk about those a little bit in case someone's new and is unfamiliar with that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, in an initial kind of a way, we wanted to at least try to spark plug or to catalyze an opportunity for people to to actually get to know people that they didn't know Within our church community. Um, and so, in a kind of a bigger organized kind of a way, we facilitated potluck parties about three or four times last year, um, where people would, over a three week period, sign up on a Sunday morning to say, Hey, I'd like to attend a potluck party. And then at each location, we'd have a, a number of hosts who were willing to host, you know, from 10 to 20 people at their home. And then once the people signed up, those hosts were assigned people. They may or may not have known them ahead of time. They were, uh, you know, across a diverse generational demographic kind of space. And uh, and then th- you would do it like a normal potluck. The host would send out uh, a note. You'd bring whatever you were assigned to bring, whether it was buns or a, you know, a pot of chili or whatever. Yeah. And and you just show up and you'd spend three hours together and uh, say, see you later. And so we, we launched these a few times last year. Yeah. Um,
0: what would you say was the result or what did we learn through doing that last year?
1: Yeah. I, I think that the overwhelming response of everyone that I talked to who experienced that was they actually loved it and were super grateful that they had had the chance to meet people that they didn't know before. I mean, it would change the dynamic on a Sunday morning a little bit, because even if they're involved in a life group, in a larger church kind of setting, like there's still a lot of people you just don't know, and it's easy to kind of just float in and out anonymously. Well, now there's going to be more people to say, hey, how are you doing? And even from that conversation that you had last week with them, you could even catch up a little bit, and you actually have more acquaintances that have the opportunity to become friends eventually. And I say all this because uh, we're still in the process of
0: driving these start the party or it's party time kind of events. We've got one coming up soon. Uh, what are you hoping for those of us as members who are listening, what are you hoping that we could kind of grab hold of as far as the vision or the heart behind
1: these events moving forward? Yeah, I mean, so last year we did these Experiments. We just tried this kind of a thing. And, and ultimately, as I think about the kingdom of God and how it ought to be different or how it ought to be something that people could see as, wow, it's different and it's maybe a little bit strange, but it's strange in a cool kind of a way that I like, that I want to be a part of, that I would hope that the kind of um, attitude that says, I actually just want to get to know people would become just sort of who we are, and that it would move from sort of a formalized big event towards, um, again, not having to be Martha Stewart and uh, have some kind of huge party that would be written up about. I don't care if it's store-bought cookies and coffee, that people are saying, you know what, I don't know that person. I'm actually going to go over and introduce myself and get to know them a little bit. And at some point, I might even say, "Hey, do you want to grab a coffee?" Or, "Hey, would you like to come over?" I put on a pot of soup already this morning, and we've got lots of food. Why don't you bring your family with you? That kind of thing, to the point where potentially one day, you know how you can get reputations where people talk about you, and it's hard to build a good reputation, and it's easy to lose one. But to get to the point where where people say, "You know what? That that church over there, like they're they're the they're the friendliest people I've ever met." And and they actually are the most warm, inclusive group of people I have ever seen. Because hospitality is that bridge between right. being
0: friendly and cultivating friendship. That's right. And the difference between being warm and welcoming versus being inclusive. That's right. So I hope I hope everyone's capturing the, the heart of this because we're we're gonna kind of commit at some kind of frequency or interval to 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 driving these programmatically but in in so many other ways at Southridge, programs that we offer are ultimately to drive lifestyle, they're to build a way of life and these location pastors who are championing this value of connection in our church, they're offering this program to try to drive a way of life among us that we would become hospitable people and that the growing instinct of all of us, especially those of us who are members, who kind of make up the core of our community, that we would increasingly default to exuding and expressing hospitality to people around us. That's something that you guys are
1: in the process of fighting for that I just, I love. For sure. Let me make one more kind of comment about the fundamental reason that I would be into this. Ultimately, um, if Jesus said that since Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Like this is actually all rooted in what God has done for us in Christ. He has reached out to us in a radical way. He dis- Jesus displaced himself, put himself in in an uncomfortable environment, so to speak, so that we could actually be deeply connected with God again. And once I embrace that, the nature of the Jesus who then lives in me is to actually embrace like He does. So th- this, to me, is is a crucial manifestation of what it means to be
0: in the family of God. Yeah, I appreciate that. This isn't just a church connection strategy. This is a fundamental way of growing us individually, spiritually, and a fundamental way of incarnating the life, love, and person of Jesus. Absolutely. Us because of how pervasive the inclusive, hospitable heart of Jesus was, especially, or maybe more practically, through the context of parties. For sure. And now we've kind of come full circle to to really not only try to express more of Jesus' love, but experience it more ourselves. Yep. Uh, well, that's great. I, I wanted to shift gears and address a couple other things that are uh, kind of specific to your role that I think are fun for other people to get to just... Uh, sit around and, and hear us talk about for a while. Um, and the next one I, I want to talk about is just this, this idea of young adults. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you came from a background among all of your uh, uh, positions around here. You, you were our youth pastor for a time. Yeah. And uh, I laughed when you talked about you being invited into a long-term internship. I thought, <laughs> oh, that's where that idea came from. Because <laughs> Chris has envisioned hundreds of us to long-term internships since then. <laughs> Get out of here. Um you know, over the past year, though, as a location pastor, this heart for the next generation and for young adults particularly has really gripped you almost again, not that it's kind of never died, but... Um, why is that what what is it that you feel or or value specifically
1: in in young adults as a leader i think i mean uh, there's a, almost a, maybe a perfect storm of things that happen internally and then externally um one would be just the external circumstance of us being part of like here in on glenridge avenue for the last 13 years or 15 years now um you know, steps away from a university. Um, Another would be having had the chance to work with many young adults through the other iterations of my job along the way. And just, it's being so beautiful to see them step up and say, hey, I've captured this vision of Jesus' love for me. And I want that to be something that spreads to other people too. And then them engaging in it to the degree that there's even some people on staff right now that have you know, been around on staff for quite a while and they're still really young. Um, And then uh, uh, I had a Discover Southridge experience with a few young ladies who were uh, attending at Brock and it was, it was just the four of them that had come to, to Discover Southridge. So we thought, oh, you know what, let's just go over to Cat's Caboose across the street and have lunch together. And that conversation was, was like a switch for me because it it made me realize that, uh, that there's a a population of students who are eager to live out or to grow in a faith in Christ that marries how you live and how you treat other people to, to, to the radical degree that Jesus lived it out with what you say you believe in the God that you love. And, uh, and, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. I, I, equally, there was another older lady in our church, like older, like me older, or a little bit older than me. Um, older being 50. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm almost 50 <laughs> now. Never just mind. Just connect your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she had had, stu- had... Like, her girls had been at university, and she had thought back to her university experience and thinking, gosh, I just wish that I could be part of something that would create an environment that that people could actually get connected a little bit, actually a lot better, even intergenerationally, that they would get connected better. And so she was just an amazing partner in crime to dream about things with and then to start experimenting with a few things. Yeah, so you've got this historical heart of seeing God tap
0: and leverage a a next generation this this catalytic conversation with these four brock students and i'm sure some of them are even listening right now i (laughs) hope you ladies realize how significantly you you affected chris in that conversation and frankly our church as a result uh and then your conversation with this leader all three like you said a perfect storm together that has kind of reawakened some experimentation at least through you here in our saint catherine's location um, to serve young adults. So yeah. talk about some of the things that have happened
1: in the last number of months, just because I'm sure a lot of us are unaware. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, kind of the first thing we tried was just renewing something we had tried back in the day, but had it just kind of fell off the radar because life happens and you're busy and you're doing all kinds of other different things. But in the spring of last year, leading up to exams, we just offered some lunches after church just as a way to actually see who was around to help them get connected with each other. Everybody likes free food, and it's a little bit of a de stressor to get some free food when you're preparing for exams. And uh, we did enough kind of uh, groundwork talking to people that between the three locations, we thought, you know, it would actually maybe be very timely to try and get everybody together for like a getaway for a retreat. And so we started planning even in the spring, a retreat that we had in September in September. And there ended up being about 70 of us from all three locations getting together uh, up at a camp in Muskoka. And it just turned out to be an amazing time of connection. The the follow-up from which, you know, ended with, or meant that there were actually a number of young adult life groups and and a number of connections. And then uh, finally, uh, just in a another try to be a blessing to at least a segment of young adults. We hosted some study cafes in our, in our cafe and lobby area uh, in the lead up to exams this past December. And, you know, you kind of unsure, but actually this idea came from a bunch of students. So we thought, Hey, we'll give it a try. And what was so cool about it is again, you have, Older generation people doing all kinds of baking, bringing in, you know, crock pots of food and having coffee and stuff. And then there was quiet areas where they could study, but then they could come and visit in the cafe. There was, you know, exam survival kits and a candy bar. like It was just really cool how the hospitality level just went up again intergenerationally. It was so
0: cool to to kind of enter into the the conversations about uh, the, this idea because I'll tell you a study cafe would not be something <laughs> that on my own I would envision. Um, but but you know a couple of things I, I really loved about this idea. One was like you said that. It was just responding to the needs that students themselves were expressing sure. that, hey, it would be helpful and motivational to to connect and to receive encouragement and support during uh, the study period for, for exams. And so just the way that you and that team were responsive to what you were hearing, I love how quickly, you know, we can do that sometimes and let God show up. You know, right when people are saying, hey, I need help in this. The other the other part of it that I'd love you to speak to a little bit, because we I think we saw this in the lunches yeah. and we saw this in the retreat uh, and now I've experienced it again in the cafe, is this whole intergenerational value. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah, like I've spent time with, with, I try to spend some time with the next gen uh, regularly and over the last, I would say the last era, especially last, let's say five years, the the growing heart of the next gen to be engaged in intergenerational relationship, not just to have people embrace their new next gen fads and trends. Uh, That's really been a shift I feel. And, and I know that you've experienced some of that. Talk about that a little bit.
1: In one of the first lunches we had back last spring, um, uh, this other lady who I've been working with Kelly had got a group of them and was sitting around with them. It was just interacting with them and, it was at that time that we kind of in a shocking sense kind of found out that they actually expressed that they wanted to get to know people who were older than them to, to, they wanted, they didn't want to have just a young adult ministry or experience or just be with their peers. They actually wanted to be part of a church and get to know people who were older than them, who had wisdom to bring and some hospitality to bring and so on. Well, corresponding with that, uh sentiment. You have all of these older people and some some of the, frankly the people who have stepped up the most are the oldest people now in our church generation who are just just pouring on the gas pouring gas on the fire of I just want to get to know you. I just want you to feel at home. I just want you to know that you're loved. I want to be in your corner as you try and follow Christ as a young adult either either in school or as you're navigating a new career and all of those kinds of things and it it's been mind-blowing to watch to the degree where you have like 70-year-olds coming on the uh, young adult retreat, living in a cabin without a bathroom for a weekend and <laughs> loving it. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah it, it, it's it's it been cool to see and to watch. I guess my, my one question would be, if I'm listening to this today, Chris, and I'm a young adult myself, yeah. or... I'm not a young adult, but I'm hearing you amp up the value of investing in young adults and my heart's stirring. Uh, Are there things I could do that I could be involved in or are there ways that I could, what would I do, email you or even if I'm from a different location, are are there ways that I could be involved in
1: serving young young adults? Yeah, So, well, yeah, you're talking about people serving young adults? Either, uh, either. if I'm a young adult or if I'm serving young adults. Well, anybody that would like to get to know young adults gosh I'd love to have a conversation with you if you are a young adult um, you know even like whether you're introverted or not this isn't this isn't about trying to flush out all the life of the party people because everyone has something beautiful to bring to the table and there's been a vast variety of young adults come to the table and get involved in some of these inter uh, intergenerational conversations as well. Uh, I would love to talk to you if you want to get connected with somebody. I would like to actually throw it there um, to get involved in the shelter. There is a critical mass of young adults, an increasing number of young adults who are getting involved uh, at at the shelter, whether it's at the front desk or with things like rock climbing and even just doing kind of a dip your toe in the water in uh, in the kitchen and that kind of stuff. And even through that, there's both young adult friendships that are being cultivated but also intergenerational stuff uh, as well yeah so let's let's keep in mind here that
0: uh we have young adults who are not just from our St. Catherine's location. We have people who would be passionate about young adults that are not just from our St. Catherine's sure. location. We have initiatives like the retreat that included people from all of our locations that's together. Right. So, I hope our listeners are appreciating that this isn't just a St. Catherine's for thing. Sure. And yet, this is something that God's been stirring up and something that's been kind of specifically being catalyzed through you for now. Uh, but the other location pastors are aware of it and supportive of it
1: more and than so- aware and supportive of it they' they're they 're championing it in their area as well, so there are a critical mass of of older people forgive the term, I guess, but just people old that aren 't young adults in Welland and in Vineland who are also saying, "Hey, I want to be investing in in." young adults and so on and and other young adults who have expressed that they like to get connected so, yeah, it's... so if it was easier
0: practically either in the convenience of a sunday morning environment or through your existing relational channels to connect with one of our other location pastors with mike or rick you could do so correct absolutely but uh, if they wanted if you, if you got no one else to connect with you're not sure where to go uh they can email you and and follow up in that absolutely. way absolutely and you know final question on this i can't have an issue that we discuss without ending here with Chris Fowler. Um, where's this going in the future? What, what, What is some of the vision or perspective of, I don't even want to call it young adult ministry, but just of what God's doing among our young adults in our
1: church these days? Oh gosh, I, I don't totally know. I mean, even though it was a relatively long time ago, I I do remember being a young adult who was believed in by an older generation, enough so that I was given a bandwidth of uh opportunity of responsibility of authority of uh of rope to try and live out my faith not just by myself but among you know my church family that empowered me and 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 allowed me to ultimately to spread my wings and uh, and I would love to see that continue to be cultivated in whatever way that looks like now. Like it's interesting because we're in some senses a a very different church than we were back then. In some senses, we're just the same church that we ever were. I think we just wanted to cultivate a simple heart of faith and have that lived out uh, deliberately, but because we've grown in numbers and it's just gotten a little bit more layered and complex as how, as to how we live that out. And so I would love to just keep ideating around okay, what's it look like now for this next generation or uh, any new generation to actually take ownership that this is, my, this is my church, God has filled me to actually make a difference here, that people could actually come to faith because of my life uh, and because, because they've been exposed to my church family, and that they can very quickly gain significant
0: credibility. Yeah, and significant opportunity and influence. Absolutely. The, the message I have when I hang out with young adults it consistently has always been, listen, you are not the future of our church. Absolutely. You're the president of our church. We want to facilitate that and make that happen right now Absolutely, in whatever way we can. So love it. Uh, another bonus uh, piece of footage here that I'm hoping we can camp out on a little bit. Uh, involves another role or another era of your your role that I want to tap into because it's still a huge part of who you are today, and that is your time in the shelter. Yeah. Um, talk about first of all what you learned when you started to kind of work in the outreach world and in the early days of us launching into the world of having a shelter that you, this was all formative uh, through your leadership. Um, what was God doing in you at that point?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously when we moved to Glenridge from, you know, the countryside to the city and we're a little bit more in the face of some pressing needs, um, we, I think we had always wanted to be a church community that made a difference, but w- you kind of got a shot in the arm vision wise about how could we actually love our neighbor as ourself, if that's what we're commissioned to do as we love God through Jesus. And, and so, you know, many people know the story of how we kind of came into doing the shelter through some out of the cold help and developing some relationships and so on. And so when we had the opportunity to actually do this full time, I've said to many people that it is the best thing that ever happened to our church. I think it actually it radically shifted how we looked at relationships and people. The, the, another uh, metaphor I've used with a lot of people is that w- what you realize when you take the risk of getting to know somebody who might have a different socioeconomic background or some different history or different details of your life, then when you peel back the layers of the onion— We are all the same, not in a, like a cookie cutter kind of a way, but we all just want to belong. We all just want to be celebrated. We all want to have something significant to, to participate in and that our lives would matter. We all
0: want to recover.
1: We all want to recover. We absolutely, yeah. yeah, Well, that's the other side. The flip side is we're all, we're all broken. And, and once, once you realize that we are actually really, truly on level ground, that it's not just um, lip service to say that, well, that opens your world up to a whole bunch of different friendships that you would have never had if you had simply stuck with, you know, uh, the people that you naturally interact with, whether it's at the hockey arena or at your job or in your neighborhood, Um, it's, it's this diversity that that's mind-blowing and changes everything. Yeah, and the cool thing when you when you say, hey, this this
0: probably was the, the single most affecting thing that God has done among us, launching this this shelter, the cool thing was when we became a multi-site church, remember back yeah. to the public meetings, you know, in each of the public meetings, I remember the first and most pervasive question was, what would the shelter equivalent be yeah. at these new sites, at that's these right. new locations? And, you know, these days we use the term anchor cause to describe our focused initiative of compassion and justice in any location, the 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 real term that was originally kind of used or intended was these are just going to be shelter equivalents yeah. at other locations to mirror the impact of the way that God can work. So, you know, saying that, I know that this is kind of specific to St. Catherine's, but you know, what would you want to say, Chris, to anyone who in our membership hasn't yet tasted the magic of being involved in one of these anchor causes or maybe specific to
1: you particularly the shelter what
0: what are they missing out on
1: ultimately uh you know w- whether god is calling every single person to get involved in the shelter um i think it's in you're mis- you're missing out on the possibility of having a life-changing friendship or friendships where god would want to do something in you where god would want to do something through you and here's the real surprise. God wants to do something for you. And and, and I can say that uh, the friendships that I have been, had the privilege to cultivate through the shelter community, um, I count many people as friends. They count me as friends. And I'm so glad that I didn't just stay friends with people who came from exactly the same kind of background as me and and i and I would hope that through that sharing of mutual brokenness and mutual needs and mutual things to give to one another that that people could actually embrace new friendships that are going to really build them up and make them the best versions of themselves. yeah,
0: awesome, awesome. Um, anything that you want to talk about with regards to the future of the shelter, or should we save that for another podcast?
1: <laughs> I, I imagine miss uh, Mrs. Annie Froze has lots to say about that. I mean, obviously, there's some beautiful. Beautiful things that we'd love to see happen and the the opportunity to provide more uh, thoroughly, uh, to address more thoroughly some of the issues that are facing our homeless friends would be... Oh man, if God would allow us to do that, that would be really humbling yeah, and beautiful. I say that only because back before we moved here,
0: when there was just a, a few of us around, you know, one of the resources that God had connected us with, probably through you, was this book called "The Church That Never Sleeps." That's right. That was uh, written about this this facility or this ministry in Los Angeles called the Dream Center. That's right. It's a that, Church, yeah. That was a church that defined itself primarily according to mission, yeah. and in doing so. Provided as comprehensive and as holistic care to those in need as it possibly could, and I, I, you know, I'm just throwing that out today because I think that that Dream Center style vision is as alive and well today as it was even you know 20 or 15 years ago in a way that God was driving us to move here in the first place.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, I think that you know there are things. I mean. <laughs> I've been told that I can be the kind of person that's ready, fire, aim rather than ready, aim, fire. And to actually uh, fire, ready, yeah, aim, yeah, fire, ready, your, aim, Never mind. <laughs> your world. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and I think historically back to some of those things, like gosh, it was messy and crazy and so on. Perhaps though, we've well, and to actually to refer to our dream big think small kind of initiative in this last year, we have really tried, I think. Uh, and again, sometimes falteringly to to simply go about what God has given us now so that maybe over time we could gain some more expertise, some more influence, um, and, and some more credibility to be able to speak into things that maybe God would see fit that through his church family and even his church family here, we could actually... Uh, help people see how beautiful and good God actually is by addressing real specific practical needs like homelessness. Um, As we wrap up any
0: final encouragements or challenges or things you'd want to say to our members just about our church and
1: its future and being a part of it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that I love our church family. I, I look forward to, uh, every iteration of, of what we do. And even um, most recently, I've been thinking about, I love coming on Sunday. Uh, I Obviously, I love being able to hear what God is speaking through people like like Mike and Jeff and, and others who get to preach, to experience worship altogether. But even the chance to connect with, you know, people that I don't see every day, but I know them enough that I know them and love them. And that that circle is expanding. And so when I think about even Sunday mornings, I, I kind of feel like it's this open family reunion. And the only difference between those who've been here more than once and those who've only been here once is those who've been here for a long time, you know that you belong. And the other people, you just don't know you're part of the family yet. Like you actually, all, you already belong. And and I, I just, the, the, I'm filled with a sense of anticipation every time we, we have the chance to get together like that.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks for being here today. Uh, you, as we said earlier, are... Not only the longest-standing staff member uh, on our staff team, a little long in the tooth, but but you know, probably without too much debate, the 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 single most impactful agent in so many of our lives, so many of our staff lives, and so many of the lives of our congregation across all of our locations. Uh, we love you. We're grateful for the leadership that you're providing, and uh, are thankful that you were able to sit down and chat with us as we continue to Thanks. find our way. Thanks so much, man. Take care, everyone. We'll see you in a week.